Did you know you can watch the presidential debates on Hulu? I wasn't aware that stuff films were allowed on Hulu. Who will think of the children? Hulu will think of the children. Now that I say that, I don't know I don't know that I want either of them to think too closely about children for two entirely separate reasons. You ready to start the episode? Yes, please don't drone strike me as to say. Hello, and welcome to Imagine Me and Utena, a revolutionary girl Utena podcast. I'm Panda. I'm your host, and I'm here with Josh. How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing pretty all right today. We're here to talk about Revolutionary Girl Utena, episode three, on the night of the ball. How do you feel about this episode, Josh? I like this one. It's definitely a change of pace, and it also gives me something to talk about as far as expanding upon how Utena plays around with old motifs. Yeah, I have a critical research failure here, and I did not read the link that you sent me last week about this episode, so you're going to get to tell me all about the, what this episode is based on after we're done talking about the summary. Absolutely. We start, and Utena is waking up. She's looking at her ring, because it's the first thing she sees when she wakes up. And she's talking about all she has is the ring as uh, the evidence that she ever met the prince. I really like this whole opening scene because it's kind of perfect just in the way it's presented as well as kind of giving us a little microcosm of what this entire series is about. The mystery of the ring, the character of this queer definition between these two characters, and also the just the happy dom domesticity of Anchi. I like this scene a lot because here we're about to have Utena asking Anthe why she has no friends. She asks her if they're ever going to have any company at their meals, and Anthe just says, it's nice how quiet it is. And then Utena says something to her, and Anthe, in the English dub, she goes, uh, yes? And it sounds like really sarcastic for Anthe's voice for some reason. I always wondered, Anthe always comes off as demure and, and kind of, accommodating but I always wonder how like I, I'm kind of sort of trained English major wise to sort of read everything as potentially sardonic but I don't know I always wonder is her not having friends a symptom of being the Rose Bride or is she able to be the Rose Bride because she was isolated before I address that, I would like to point out that in the scene in the English dub, it cuts off the conversation. Utena says, I suppose he is, but when she's talking about Choo Choo being Anthe's only friend, and then it just cuts off at that but, and they resume the conversation when they're walking towards those girls that are standing there, and Utena opens it up with, and another thing, or something like that, and it's just really funny. But I think that Anthe has been able to be the Rose Bride because she has no friends and also she has no friends because she's the Rose Bride. I think that it's sort of a combination of the two. I think that Anthe is just really shy and she is being sort of dragged into this game that's going on. I'd say game sort of loosely by forces beyond her. And I think that it is a combination of, uh, I think it's a combination of her being dragged into this game that has kept her from being able to make any real friends. But also they're only able to continue 
subjugating her in this way for I guess lack of a better way of putting it because she doesn't have any friends and it's only until she gets a friend which is Utena when she starts to sort of question this whole arrangement or at least as far as I can recall there may be she may have some opinions about it that I just don't quite remember that are made more clear in the third arc when we learn more about what's going on but as far as I can tell here she doesn't really seem to have much of an opinion about it she certainly has opinion opinions about the individual players. Well, yeah, sure, but not necessarily the predicament itself. I'd also like to point out that Utena, just a second ago, says, Despite appearances, I'm a totally normal girl. I don't want a bride. All I want is a totally normal boy, which is just sort of... I don't know. That doesn't sound very convincing to me, but... There's there's also something there that's kind of endearing about the fact that she appears this way, she presents herself this way, but she doesn't necessarily feel the same pressure to conform to what people expect because she does this. It's just something that she's decided to do, and it doesn't necessarily... Like, she doesn't seem to see it as necessarily having to mean a whole bunch of other things if she doesn't want to. And I'm not sure if that's naivete or if it's if it's something a little stronger. I think it's kind of both. I like that here Toga has introduced himself as student council president and a totally normal boy. That's not something he says in the English dub. <laughs> yeah, I have written in my notes here, enter red Maximilian Pegasus. Wow, it's totally true though. He does. Even if you ever listen to his English dub voice, he sounds like Maximilian Pegasus. It's kind of nuts. And uh, here we have Utena saying, oh, you're into the dueling thing. Because he wasn't there last time, I guess. I don't even really remember. And Toga is trying to flirt with her. And here, any anyone who's interested in women who's listening to this, we learn here how not to flirt by Toga Kiryu. One, you tell a woman that she's beautiful when she's angry. Two, you put your fingers in her fucking hair for no reason. That is not the way to flirt with a woman ever or anyone but especially not a woman toga flashes his ring because he's trying to give her some sort of impression and i'm not sure what sort of impression he is trying to give her because he has no idea about any of her print stuff as far as we can tell but he tells her that he has the ring so that he would meet her one day she begins to consider whether or not he might be the prince which is dumb Utena. he's not the prince yeah i mean to us it's, it's really obvious but i have two wondering things here first is that he's less overtly evil starting out he, he comes across as weird and not all that great but he's he doesn't definitely seem a creep. nearly as bad and he's creepy but one, one isn't immediately like, this guy is evil, so much as this guy is creepy. The other thing is that I think the ring is really about him testing her. Because that whole thing is really about him trying to get a reaction one way or another. It seems almost tactical. Like, what kind of reaction will she have to seeing this? What kind of reaction will she have to me acting this way? Because they know nothing about her. Yeah, they just did their monologue in the elevator about cracking the world shell. And until this point, I had never questioned the stopwatch. But after we have tried to record this episode twice, I can't stop looking at it because you brought it up twice. I know, right? It's a mystery. Also, Jury, in this scene, in her English dub, she sounds like one of Daria's sister's friends from Daria. I don't know if you've ever watched Daria, but she sounded like the bitchy friend for 
a minute, and it was really strange to me. What are their accents like in the dub? They don't have, like, you know, in the Sailor Moon dub, everybody's got, like, a pronounced weirdness to their voice, but everybody just sort of sounds like, I don't know, they just, they sort of sound like they have normal English-speaking voices. It's not really that distinct. And then Wakaba. Wakaba jumps on Utena's back and almost causes her to fall out the window. Wakaba's complete, utter disregard for safety is really endearing. She says in the English dub, you're going to be the death of me, which feels sort of foreshadowy for some reason, but I don't remember why. But now Wakaba thinks that Utena is interested in dating Toga because she's staring at him out the window. And Utena says, there's no way a playboy like that could be her prince on a white horse. And then Toga looks at her in the window and leaves with a gaggle of girls. That seems to be one of the enduring factors in Utena is that there are always anonymous gaggles of girls in the background. No matter what character the camera quote-unquote is following, they're always seem to be them everywhere. I think it's interesting. Wakaba says to Utena that she heard about something bad that Anthe did to a boy, but she talks about it like it happened weeks ago or like a year ago and not like a few days ago. Yeah, I'm, I wasn't sure if she was referring to like recent stuff or if, or if she's like, or if something has happened before now. She talks about, and I'm, I'm assuming that she means what we saw in the previous episode, which was, or the pre, was it the episode before this, or the episode, the first episode where she defeats Seonji the first time? Or doesn't she defeat him again? I'm getting my, my plot mixed up. I'm getting it a little mixed up too. I think it's the second one she actually like beats him. Okay, yeah. The first one, she knocked off his rose, and then the second, she definitely beat him. And now he's gone off to sulk in his little training room or whatever the heck that thing is and the Seonji defense squad has come to berate Anthe about having upset Seonji and now he won't come out anymore and interestingly one of the girls in the group of girls berating Anthe is very clearly Utena's voice actress trying not to sound like she is Utena's voice actress she does a really? bit yeah, she does a very high-pitched voice, but it is very clear that that's who it is from some of the way that, like, some of the sounds that her voice makes. But it's just really funny to me. Naname has come to the rescue, or at least seemingly to the rescue. And I would like to point out that in this point in my notes, I wrote, I have stared at these shoulders so long that they no longer seem big to me. They look normal to me now. That is how many times I've, I've watched Amazing. this. Amazing. I've watched this episode individually maybe six times. That's like a, a 90s anime thing, though. Is that like everyone's legs are obscenely long, and they're and, and some part of their clothing is like way too big. Usually the shoulders. And Naname is telling the Seonji Defense Squad that if they have any issues, they need to take it up with the student council, which is really funny because they are the problem. Of course, they would also be the ones who would want to protect Anthe, quote unquote. She's acting very nice to Anthe, but as we'll find out later, this is all a ruse. She's telling Anthe about how popular she is with the boys in the freshman class and that she has been nominated for the dance queen. And who is she talking about in the freshman class? Because the only people that have been interested in her are people on the student council and are they freshmen it seems to be that the ones who admire her are too intimidated to approach right yes i recall we did talk about that listeners we've tried to record this episode this would be the third time i like how it just like sort of zooms in on naname's face for a minute after she says she's wanted to be friends with anthe for a long time yeah that is a little suspicious and we resume at utana and anthe's place and anthe is playing cards with choo choo what are they even playing 
I have no idea. I don't know that it's supposed to be an actual game. Utena is yet again berating Anthe for... She's asking Anthe whether or not she has any friends. And Choo Choo is like, but I'm her friend. And Anthe says that Choo Choo is her friend. The fact that they're not playing a real game makes this even sadder to me, because it's like she has to make up her own games. Aww, I had never considered that. Anthe just received a package in the mail. The courier tells her that she's been nominated for the Dance Queen, and so she has to wear this dress to the dance tonight. And then we have the mysterious things that Choo Choo pulls out of the box. I still want to know what they are. Choo Choo pulls out some sort of packing material and then eats it and subsequently gets sick. But Utena has also received a similar looking box. And she thinks to herself, I didn't get an invitation. And then the courier tells her, I believe there's an invitation in the box. I'm just going to say that... The green dress doesn't impress me, but the but hers does. Utina's dress is okay. I feel like it should have been a different color for her hair color because it's two different yeah, shades of her. pink. But that's a personal taste. She does have a very pretty dress. There is something really cool about the fact that it's got the prominent rose, which is somewhere between fitting and passive aggressive. I think so as well. Utina says that she doesn't want to go to the dance, even though she's been given a dress to wear to it. And Anthe says she doesn't want to go to the dance because Utena doesn't want to go. And also, uh, as we can get into later, she probably has some sort of social anxiety. And Utena is telling her she needs more human friends because her only friend is Choo Choo, who is not a human. And that's a weird, th this is a weird moment for me because like she has that really, the, the sort of slightly long pause but after you have to go. Where I think it's, is that the first time that something Utena says can be taken as an order? Yeah, I think so as well. I think this is the first time that she has given Anthe anything resembling a direct order. And I don't think she really intends it to be that way, but, it, but it's really telling that that sort of really long pause. And then, of course, I'm smiling now. It seems kind of fake. I liked Toga's little picture of himself. Yeah, it's, I love the little calling card. I love Aiko and Biko doing their little skit about the dance, ending it with the quote, how shameless can they be? And then we are magically transported to France, or at least anime France. We have been transported to anime France, where the ball is taking place. Not actually France, listeners. We're just making fun of the architecture. And the fact that it, it, every time that anime tries to do anything European, it's way cooler than actual European things. Oh, absolutely. Toga was staring off into the distance on the balcony, only to be snuck up upon by Naname, who is in a ridiculous dress. She sneaks up behind him and surprises him, and he says, How did I get such an adoring little sister? How, Toga? How did you get her? Uh, I remember the first time we watched this, so, like you just like had to stop and talk about how ridiculous that bow is. I love her dress. It is ridiculous. Like she, It is just, she has this weird yellow dress and this gigantic purple bow on the back that is bigger than any other part of the dress for any reason. Naname is looking at Anthe and thinking about how clever she is with her scheme, which we will get to in a minute. Toga is just totally captivated by Utena in the dress because he is in love with Utena now, I guess. Even though for some reason, Nanami thinks he's in love with Anthe. I know he's probably going to be terrible later, but this episode makes me come out sort of neutral towards him. Like, he's an idiot. But he seems genuine in, in that his, his awkwardness is not necessarily malicious. I feel like that's going to change very quickly. I mean, there are worse characters than Toga, for certain. Naname tells Anthe that her dress is perfectly suited to her. Again, reveling in the cleverness of her. I'm definitely going to talk about that. 
Utan is just excited that Anthe made a friend, even if it's not a real friend. She's so excited about it that she doesn't even question it. This, we get a great scene of Toga's face with his wild eyes for no reason. Utana is telling him that the dress doesn't suit her because he thinks the dress looks gorgeous on her and he tells her she's the queen of the campus. He wants her to dance with her. She does not want to dance with him. He is way too close. She seems weirdly, like, she was blushing, but she seemed uncomfortable. I think it's kind of a combination of, you know, she says that she quote-unquote wants a normal voice. I think it's partially like... The flatter, being flattered by someone having interest, but also kind of mildly creeped out because he's weird. <laughs> and that's a complicated emotion. We have Anthe experiencing what appears to be some social anxiety. She thinks that everyone's staring at her. This scene is referenced in Steven Universe through Connie's social anxiety. There are a lot of parallels between Connie and Anthe when it comes to Steven Universe. Even the sword. I just I just realized that. Well, yeah, in the sword, she becomes more like Utana, and Steven becomes more like Anthe. And here, here we have the plan. The girl who stole my brother from me is about to be humiliated, Nanami says. The girl who stole your brother from you. That is just, that is a sentence. A servant accidentally, accidentally in question, quotation marks, gets some sort of drink all over Anthe causing the dress to disintegrate while everyone snickers at her, and it's very sad because Anthe is very embarrassed. Toga asks Utana again if she wants to dance, and we get a solid three-second close-up of his dumbfounded face that he has been turned down. He just can't comprehend. Utana still thinks that he might be her prince, but she's realized that something has happened to Anthe, and that's far more important than whatever is going on right now. So she has to go to the rescue. Poor Anthe, she's shaking on the floor, and everyone is just standing around and looking at her. That is a pretty kind of mildly horrible scene right there, because you're just like, that's so sad. I love how Toga immediately knows that this is not a Mace fault. I and now we reveal that Utana had on her prince outfit underneath her dress the whole time with accompanying shoulder pads which with really the accompanying shoulder pads shoulder. somehow it's magic she don't have to explain nothing utana makes anthe a dress out of a tablecloth that looks like a toga and is very cute and did you notice that she she has like a rose the the, the replacement dress has a rose in it how on earth did she manage to do that that's impressive oh you mean like it's in the folds oh yeah, yeah i didn't even notice fold. that wow that's some skill. The Sayonji Defense Squad watches with jealousy as lesbians dance on the dance floor with petals falling around them in true shoujo fashion. <laughs> it really is, though, over the top. We get a nice scene of them looking at each other while rose petals fall all around them. Naname in the spotlight. Disgusted. Being very disgusted and upset. She's about to realize that Toga has the hots for Utana now, so now she has to swore revenge on Utana. It's like as soon as Toga begins to talk about how he sent Utana a dress, it's like the Kill Bill sirens go off in Nanami's head, <laughs> which is a hilarious reference that will be more relevant as the series goes on. Oh, she's so happy. Oh, they look so happy dancing together. They're still dancing with rose petals, just to keep you updated. This has been going on. They've reused some frames. 
at this point. Oh yeah, point, absolutely. This is entirely. This we are absolutely repeating some scenes now, including the scene of Choo Choo going around and around on the record player. The nineties was a magical time. Anime could get away with anything. Well, I like that Utena repeats a lot of sequences. I feel like that can be argued as important from a thematic standpoint, but we can talk about that more later. Now, Josh, do you want to tell us about this episode and how it was an adaptation of a story that I had never heard of until the second time we tried to record this episode? Absolutely. It's actually less of one story and more of an entire motif. Really? Yeah. One of the biggest ones is the Shirt of Nessus. Shirt of Nessus is basically the idea of, like, most people have heard of Hercules. What they don't know about Hercules is that Hercules accidentally killed his family either because he was drunk or because Hera made him. Had to do all of his great deeds. And when he was finally done, his second wife gets a gift of a shirt that was given to her. Naively, she just passes it on to Hercules because she's like, oh, someone gave you a gift because, you know, you're famous and everyone likes you. So he puts it on. And it actually has Nessus is centaur. I forget the exactly why, but his blood is, like, cursed. So as soon as he puts it on, not only can he not take it off, but it also is, like, horrible pain until throws himself on a funeral pyre. It's really bleak. But it's an instance of what's called the poison dress motif. There are a lot of these. You can find them in Greek mythology. Medea does the same thing, too. And Medea is the one I'm actually talking about a little more. It's in Indian folklore. There's actually American urban legends that are kind of like this. Hmm. Blood is usually what they use, what makes poisons it. The, The one that reminded me immediately was Medea. Medea, if you don't know, was a sorceress. Jason and the Argonauts go to get the Golden Fleece, and she falls in love with Jason, and they only escape because she helps them. Medea is psycho. Like, legitimately crazy. And one almost doesn't blame Jason when, as soon as they get back to Athens, he tries to slowly distance himself. Because this person is, like, without any remorse, like, cut up, like cut people into tiny bits at, at this point. So she's, she's a little crazy. But they've had kids. Medea does a lot of crazy things, including killing those kids. But one of the first things she does to ignite all the craziness is she gives a dress to the, guy, the girl that King Creon's daughter um, Glossie, who Jason's going to marry, basically as a, um, a peace offering. And people are like, oh, wow, that's surprisingly, you know, tolerant of her, and surprisingly forgiving, and no one seems to question it, until she puts it on, and then, like, immediately dies. And Clu- when the king tries to save her, he also dies, because whoever touches it is just terrible. Huh. And it's interesting to me that it's Medea, because in a weird way, this kind of parallels it. You've got Nanami has this attachment to, it's this time a brother and not someone else. And sort of, there's a sort of weird, not quiet, but sort of love triangle thing going on. And so the idea of of revenge, because you went to someone who wasn't me, is kind of present. The difference being, of course, that Nanami did kill Anshi gladly. And also, she's not quite as crazy as Medea is. And apparently, as far as I know, doesn't know how to do crazy magic stuff. But, I don't know, it was interesting to me, that that sort of parallel. Especially in the light of the fact that Revolution Girl Yutuna does this kind of thing all the time. Where it will, where freely and gleefully play with motifs and imagery from a lot of Western um, folklore. Yet Naname cannot do magic, but she does get a more pronounced role in the series as it goes on. I don't want to spoil any of that, but she does get to have more of a character outside of her attachment to her brother, even though that is a major factor for a lot of this. I'm going to have to start putting trigger warnings at the top of episodes when we get later in the series for all of the incest. Oh dear. There are very few explicit incest 
incest scenes in the show. Most of it is just like weird attraction between siblings that is not treated as weird because this is anime, I guess. What is anime's thing with that dynamic? There are more canon incest attractions than there are homosexual or heterosexual in this show. I'm not sure how to feel about that. Yeah, I realized that the other day when I was telling someone about this show that I had to stop in the middle of it and be like, oh, by the way, there's a fuck ton of incest. It's weird to me that incest as plot device is so prevalent in anime. Like, I mean, it's not like they invented that. I mean, no. West and East, you see that time and time again. But it is just weirdly prevalent. Also, something interesting that I learned recently in regards to Utena is that Utena almost never happened because the artist for the manga was homophobic. Chiho Saito, I'm, I butchered that name, but she, when the guy behind Utena, I'm going to look up his name and I, so I can butcher it too, when he came to her with this project and implied to her that Anthe and Utena were to be a romantic couple, she almost shut the entire project down. She almost walked away and was like, I'm not going to do this. So that was why in the manga and in the anime, a lot of the homoeroticism is downplayed pretty I say heavily, but it's definitely not upplayed a lot of the time. Whereas in the movie, where all of the restrictions were taken away, he was able to make this into a more explicitly romantic relationship between the two of them. His name is... Kunihiko Ikuhara. Nailing those Japanese names. I'm sorry for anybody that whose ears that I hurt by mispronouncing these names. I'm I'm very bad at Japanese. But yeah, so Uza almost never happened because of homophobia. She, I have read that she has come around. I can't, like, I have seen secondary sources of her, like, of people saying that she ended up coming around. I cannot find a primary source, like an interview or whatever, but you can mm -hmm. find there is transcription of the audio commentary track for one of the episodes wherein they talk about how it, she said that she thought that that making them romantically involved would not be appealing to girls. And she expressed heavy surprise when Ikahara implied that this w anime would be massively popular with gays over the world. She found that to be very doubtful, the, the jokes on her. The only people I know that are super into this anime are usually gay women, or queer women of some degree. And in fact, that is a major selling point for a lot of us. Was it, was it specifically like out out and out like homophobia or did it was it more of a like you're doing things to my story that i didn't initially want to happen kind of thing it was literally just she she did not want them to be romantically involved and said that if they were romantically involved that she would leave the project so that seems mm. yeah that does seem kind of this was what i learned about utana and i might be wrong so if anybody's listening to this and you can tell me that i'm wrong about this and correct me please do we have a twitter account and an email address now so you can contact us at utanacast on twitter or at imagine me and utana at gmail.com and 
And what I understand about Utena is that a lot of the themes for Utena and a lot of the ideas that ended up becoming Utena were ideas that Ikuhara had while he was working on one of the Sailor Moon movies. I would like to say Sailor Moon S, the movie. I'm not sure. I'm not going to look it up. But he had a lot of these ideas for the Sailor Moon movie that were totally bonkers. And while he was trying to make this movie, they were like, hey, you can't do all this crazy stuff. So he had to rein it in and he ended up recycling a lot of the ideas that he wanted to use into his own series, which became Utena. Yeah, Ikuhara was the director of one of the seasons of Sailor Moon, I believe, and of the Sailor Moon movie for that season. At some point, we, we've got to talk about the whether or not... Okay, here's the, the question that eventually we need to answer is, to what degree is Utena a magical girl anime? See, that is a heavily debated topic. I follow a Tumblr blog called Magical Girl Confessions, and they yeah. post about Utena, but there is a lot of controversy among like people who follow this blog about the idea of whether or not Utena is a magical girl anime. I will classify it as a magical girl anime out of convenience, even though it doesn't fit a lot of the necessary elements needed for to make what is considered a magical girl anime. She does have sort of a transformation sequence, but that's kind of about it. So, yeah, that is an interesting and very contested conversation. How do you feel? I, mean, I think it would probably be accurate to say that Utena is more has more similarities with Magical Girl anime as a whole, like that whole, like, trend, mm -hmm. than it does dissimilarities. Like, the things that it, that are really different about it as compared to others are kind of fewer number. Like, some of the, 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 the surface things, like transformation sequences and all the kind of artistic things that... Um, that kind of anime does, it gets about half of those right. But the, the deeper stuff, the kind of basic kinds of stories that they tell, I think there, Utsuna is a lot more, has a lot more similarity. Um, I agree. With things that are more easily classified that way. As well as, you know, I don't know, it, it just, if, if like, if I were to, whether or not it completely fits there, it's much easier to lump it together with that category. That category is useful for description more so than any other I can really think of. Yeah, I think that I agree with you there. Because just saying that it's the shoujo would definitely not convey exactly what's going on here. No, definitely not. Tidbit that is not entirely related. On the I've learned from the Utano Wikipedia page that there was a that the stage production of Utano was done with an all female cast. Which I feel like is fitting. I mean, yeah. I mean, to be fair, it, it would probably would not be that hard. Even the male characters so far that we've seen, except for one, have extremely luxuriously long hair. Yeah, that's like, that I feel like this would be you. really, really easy. <laughs> that's that shoujo anime for you. Everybody's Everyone's got long, luxurious hair. Speaking of long, luxurious hair in anime, have you ever seen the Wolverine anime? Are you aware you say that, there is, that there is an anime based off of the Marvel Comics character, Wolverine? Okay, so we are talking about that Wolverine. I am. I am, in fact. There I is don't... an anime about Wolverine. But why? I don't know, but I think I might have some of it on DVD that I might have bought at a video store because I was so incredulous that I saw it sitting on the shelf that I had to own it. So who knows? Did you watch it? Oh, no, I haven't watched it. I've seen clips of it, like, just in the context of talking about it, but I haven't actually watched the DVD. I have no idea how to feel about that. I'll send you a link later. It's something special. Please do. Well, do you have anything else? 
I don't think so. All right. Well, I guess that wraps us up for today. If you would like to talk to me outside of listening to the show, you could follow me on Twitter at Ampandanata. I won't spell that for you. You could follow the show at UtanaCast because Imagine Me and Utena was too long. Josh, do you have anything that you'd like to plug at the end of the show here? You can find me at on Twitter at it's technically Kind Wolf, at Kind Wolf It's Bernie, that's C-Y-N-E-W-O-L-F, or U-L-F, not sure yet. Not sure which. But if you tweet me, I will tweet back. Otherwise, no, I just really hope you guys enjoy this as we continue. Well, then I guess that settles it for today. Signing off. Revolutionize the world, everybody. See you later.